is Donna Peters back for season four of the award-winning Me Sweet podcast. Here we continue to shine a mic on career-driven, life-minded professionals, sharing our wins and our warts as we cultivate the role we want work to play in our lives. Putting work to work for us, as I like to say, let's get in there. On this episode of the Me Suite, I have a special guest. This guest is also an avid Me Suite listener and came to me with some recommendations about a topic that he felt had been missing in previous episodes. His name is Eduardo Garcia, and Eduardo is a partner in technology consulting. He is first generation to the United States. He loves to travel. So of course, I'm going to have to ask him where he's going to go next. We'll get to that somewhere in our episode. Welcome, Eduardo Garcia, to the Me Suite. Thank you so much for having me, Donna. I am so excited to be here. So you know better than anybody, Eduardo, we start with core values. Let's start with those. Uh, What are yours and how do they drive decisions that you make? Absolutely. So uh, the first one is um, I like to be provocative. Yeah, I like challenging the status quo, stretching the limits of imagination, and, and really generating debate in doing so. Mm-hmm. My second one is curiosity. I love learning new things. I have an open mind. I, I like you know developing insight. I really believe that knowledge is power. Mm. My third one is tenacity. Mm. I believe that when there's a will, there's a way. Yep. And then my fourth one is stewardship. So thinking about how, you know, with your daily actions, um, you are helping develop the next generation. I love your list, and I can see how you have been applying your list to me. You got provocative by saying, wait a minute, Donna, we're missing some topics on the me suite. And then you got tenacious by hunting me down and saying, I think I need an episode And then you're stewarding, right? You're being a steward of other people by sharing some recent career lessons that you have learned. So I can already see your core values in play. So you came to me with the provocation that we should spin a conversation around two topics. The first one is stakeholder management. And the second one is flexibility. So I would love to just riff on that with you of... Why did you bubble stakeholder management to the top? And why did you feel so passionate about sharing your experiences with it in the Me Suite? The, the first thing is, as you grow in your career and you, you go into more senior positions, the, the focus becomes less on your work products and more on relationships. Okay. And that was a particularly hard lesson for me to learn. I, in fact, I remember talking to my neighbors about this over dinner one day, and one of them was telling me how important it was for them to go to the office every so often to manage perceptions. And me being the tech guy thinking, why would I ever need to do that? (laughs) As long as my work is good, as long as the deployment gets done, as long as I'm in production, I'm good. Oh, funny. And then I remember, you know, feeling deflated after validating this concept with another coach and thinking, I'm so proud of my work products, but really, the lesson I learned was that I had failed to realize the importance of relationships. Okay. So a lot of people talk about the power of networking, but really the next big thing after networking that people overlook is stakeholder management. Okay. Say more about that. How are you using these terms? What's the difference? 
I think the first thing people need to think about is identifying who your top stakeholders are. And it could be across many dimensions. It could be work, it could be life, etc. And then the second thing is realizing that sometimes perception becomes reality. And, And you need to think about what are the gaps or potential gaps between perception mm-hmm. of your stakeholders and your personal brand? And how are you going to close those gaps? Okay. Why are you calling these players stakeholders? What stake do they hold? So really it's because, for example, in the work environment, it may be someone who is responsible for certain decisions that you may be influencing yeah. or that impact your daily you know, work life or that impact the the breadth and depth of, you know, the outcomes that you're driving uh-huh. or you know, we could think about even in life, right? It could be your significant other, it could be your parents. Yeah. Uh, your parents of course have a significant impact in your early life, right? Your significant other yeah. has an impact in your day-to-day life, right? So these are people who are very involved in what you're doing and who um, obviously are part of those outcomes that you are realizing every day. Yeah. I love the way you said you had this epiphany that I'm the tech guy. Why would I need to go into the office and interact with, ooh, people? That is so funny to me. <laughs> what was that like when you had that revelation? What, what, what clicked? What made it go off that you had been thinking about this the wrong way? Do you remember what that felt like? Yeah, it, it was it was very strange because, of course, you know, the pandemic was going on and, and, and of course, there was a lot of introspection, right, that everybody did during mm-hmm. the pandemic. But but I think what it what it made me realize once that concept clicked is, OK, I've identified who my stakeholders are mm-hmm. um, and I've sort of plotted them or figured out, you know, where they sit in this continuum and identified, as, a, as I was saying earlier, what are those gaps between mm-hmm perception or the per- their perception of me and personal brand and thinking about, well, how do I really want to be seen? Mm. Um, and what do I need to do to close those gaps? And that's when I started looking into the concept of change management, uh. which again was, you know, and, and is foreign to most tech people. Okay. It typically is a line item in your, in your project plan, you know, when you're rolling out a new system, but it's always somebody else's problem. Right. right. Interesting. Um, so the reality is that change management has never been easy, Okay, but there are some tried and true strategies that you can borrow and bring into this idea of closing those gaps. Mm-hmm. So things like building a change network and, uh-huh. and what that really means is, okay, who are the people out there who are helping influence those outcomes or that perception or that closing of the gaps. Yeah. So you've mentioned change of perception. How did you go about understanding the perception that stakeholders had to realize you had a gap you wanted to change? That's a great question. Um, And it it was definitely not easy. It Uh takes time. And I think it's even harder now because of the fact that we're in this virtual environment Mm where, you know, we don't get a chance to see people, you know, in sort of like a natural in-person type of um, environment. Mm -hmm. But it it could be things like little nuggets, you know, someone may have shared something someone else said, or, you know, reading body language, or, you know, kind of looking at actions that these stakeholders may be taking, or what direction they're going, or 
I, I know it's it's hard to describe it this way, but a lot of it is like a gut feeling mm. that when you're talking to someone, uh, and especially someone who holds a stake, right, mm. that you know that there's something that's not right, or you know that they're they're not entirely aligned with your point of view. Okay, and that's where curiosity uh-huh. kicks in to say, well, why is that? Yeah. Is it because I'm not articulating myself properly or my point is not coming across well, or maybe I haven't considered, you know, other options or possibilities, Yeah. or maybe I'm not taking into consideration the other person's point of view, Mm -hmm. which could be, uh, like you've said to me before, it could be an informed point of view from years and years of experiences Mm. and learnings. So you kind of have to, you know, identify kind of this gut feeling, right? And then that then, you know, helps you understand when you have to stop for a second and think, well, maybe there's a gap here and I need to investigate or I need to look into it further. Yeah. I love the way you describe that because I think often we, we're busy and we're moving quickly and we might have yeah. an intuition about something, but yeah, yeah, whatever. He, he seemed to not really be by my idea, but whatever, I'm on to the next thing. And it takes time, doesn't it, to invest? in stakeholder management. You really have to carve time out for it. You have to sort of be conscious. Mm-hmm. First of all, you have to to lean into that intuition, yeah. right? And recognize it, use it, et cetera. Yeah. You have to listen and listening is not just listening to what the person is saying, but you know, everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to make like a conscious effort to talk to those stakeholders and, and build a relationship with them and, and, if there's gaps, close those gaps. And, and that may not necessarily happen during you know, regular meetings or mm-hmm. kind of your day-to-day work life. It may be something that you have to add on to your schedule um, and something that you have to consciously work on and mm-hmm. have some goals around. Yeah. All right. Love that. So let me pick up on your language again. I absolutely believe that this takes time and investment, but I also believe if you invest the time now, you save it later. Absolutely. But I cannot stress enough that stakeholder management, especially in the workplace, is just like any relationship. Relationships take work. What about that process that you learned in your own career journey are you the most proud of? I think it's that that kind of, we talked about it earlier about this kind of light switch moment. Uh-huh. Of, you know, you could have the most awesome work products. And, and be super proud about achieving, whether it be a deployment or a deliverable or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but it's really about, I think for me, is, is recognizing that, you know, people are people and you need to want to develop a relationship with them. And, and at the end of the day, um, people just want to be part of something bigger, right? They want a sense of belonging. And, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, we have to recognize the um, the fact that you know you have a network of people who you are working with or living with or whatnot who are ultimately going to help you get there. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important, and and I think that's this where where I'm mostly proud about is it's so important to really make that investment. Yeah. And I've made that sort of a a, a goal. A, um, a core part of my daily life. Yeah. And I think just, you know, borrowing from things that, that, you know, I've learned from you always assuming positive intent Mm -hmm. and, and always thinking about people really want to help each other. Yeah. 
So, you know, sometimes it could be easy to get into kind of this kind of negative capsule where, you know, you think kind of people have it out there for you and, mm-hmm. and so on. And, and sometimes it, you just haven't invested the time yeah. to get to know the other person or to get to know what the other person's perception really is. Yeah. Um, so I think that's also important. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that transparent story because I think you're going to help a lot of people with it. This light switch moment for you has made you a better leader also. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the pandemic has taught us the importance of, you know, being flexible. Mm. Things like, how are you incorporating their point of view? Mm. Or how are you making them feel invested in that change or thing that you're doing? Are you meeting them halfway? What are you doing, Uh, right? To show that you're meeting them halfway. uh And also think about, you know, what's in it for them. And and are you demonstrating empathy Mm. in, in that process? So I think... That there's this kind of dovetailing of, you know, stakeholder and change and then flexibility because of the environment that we're in mm-hmm. and the fact that I think our mindsets today are different than what they were, you know, a year or two ago. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mentioned earlier in my introduction that you are first generation to the U.S. Yeah. Yes. What does that mean for you and empathy? Do you think that that experience is part of why you are sensitive here to the need for empathy and the need for flexibility? In my case, you know, sort of picking up my life and uprooting and going somewhere else Uh is a a huge change, um, right? And it comes with a new environment and learning how to be flexible and adapt Uh to that environment. So I think, you know, for me, um, just kind of going through that experience and of course other other kind of family experiences as well mm-hmm. um, helped me understand that you know one the importance of being flexible and adapt um, and then the second bit is you know that that empathy of you know people every person has a story ah, right and yeah. and you really have to invest time in learning the other person's story and yeah. that's where you really have to believe, or, or yeah. to your points earlier about wonder, wonder about that other person's story. Oh, yeah. And how does it shape who they are? And how does it shape their perceptions mm. of the world that they see? Yeah. Eduardo, I absolutely love what you just said about every person has a story. I, I think that really brought it all together for me. That was beautiful. I know that you love, love, love to travel. Is there any place that you would tell a listener they have to go if they could only go to one more place? Wow, that that is a really good question, Donna. So the first thing that popped in my mind, and I think it's actually quite relevant to Uh this topic, is is Japan. Okay. Um, And and Japan, to me, has just been such a fascinating place. I I had the opportunity to to go there for work a, Mm -hmm. a couple of times, and... I really had to learn the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it was fascinating to me, of course, because of curiosity and all these other core values yeah. uh, that make it exciting for me. But one of the things that I kind of walked away from Japan feeling like is how everybody there um, is kind of so invested in, in you know, the harmony of the environment, uh. right? To make sure their actions 
are not impacting you in a negative way, mm-hmm. but rather are helping drive the ball forward and are helping drive this, this harmony. Yeah. It really kind of made me value, you know, the importance that, that harmony has in, in our day-to-day lives. The Japanese have a term, nimawashi, which again, I'm sorry if I'm butchering the pronunciation because it is a gorgeous word. And it means the meeting before the meeting. It, it's oh, basically yes, yes, stakeholder management, yes. right? Where you're, you're thinking about who are the key players, what do they need to know yeah. individually before you come into the group setting and maybe surprise yeah. people with information. Uh, and, and so in a way, I was thinking about your love of Japan and the Japanese culture in harmony and connecting the dot to your focus and heightened importance of stakeholder management. I think it's related. I'm so, uh, this is, this is fascinating, Donna, because (laughs) in fact, that was one of the biggest lessons I had to learn, you know, uh, operating in that environment is because of this kind of overarching theme of harmony, right? Mm -hmm. Um, All that influencing, all that change management, all that stakeholder, you know, stuff kind of happens privately. Right. Uh, and, and I think that the whole impetus behind it is, well, one, not to disturb the, har- the harmony, uh-huh. but then two, because, you know, perhaps it makes you more free kind of to have some of these provocative discussions yeah. um, and drive, you know, things um, that, you know, if they were to be discussed in an open setting may kind of impact that harmony. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds that may sound really strange, especially, you know, if you're coming from sort of like a Western point of view where. Mm-hmm the the you know mo is well just say what you mean right and uh-huh. say it out in the open uh-huh. um and of course there's value in that too but i you know just the fact that it's so different mm-hmm. and the fact that it, it it's also as effective uh-huh. you know is also a lesson in empathy understanding uh-huh. that things are done differently and there's a reason why uh-huh. and there's lessons you can learn from that yeah how beautiful is that again, Eduardo, because you have provocative as a core value, yet you value harmony. You could only have harmony if you're provocative, if you bring empathy to the conversation. Yes. I mean, yes. I could connect dots with you all day long. <laughs> this, is very, <laughs> this is very, very interesting to me. You are extremely complex. So th- this is fascinating. I know that you know we close with the sweetener. Have you had a chance to give some thought to aspirational but practical advice for the me sweet listener things that we could start doing differently on monday uh yeah yeah of course and and i and i'll just say i'm i'm so excited to be here today and and realizing i think with our conversation that we basically hit on all four core values building that stakeholder management plan and and quickly establishing where the misalignments are between the perception of, you know, the stakeholder and your personal brand and how you want to be seen. And mm. of course, thinking about what is your brand? What, are you, what do, you, do you want your brand to be? And then, you know, plotting or, or defining what are those actions that you're going to take mm-hmm. to realign those perceptions. You know, it, it takes an investment in time and energy and and you know, curiosity and desire and, and wonder and all these, you know, things to, to really get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you, you have to absolutely believe in it and, and it has to become like a natural part of your daily life. And some professional maturity and strength to be open to the self-awareness, isn't it? Yes. 
Yeah. It takes time, but ultimately there, there's so much you learn and so much insight that you get that I want to say, I promise to anyone who's listening uh-huh. is totally worth it. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to end on that high note. And I will have in the show notes a link to personal branding. You've mentioned personal branding here a few times, and I will link a resource on that topic here too. Absolutely. And, and, and if I may, that there's also so many episodes that you have that kind of touch on these topics. Mm. So um, I, I think that there's also value in kind of listening to some of those episodes to understand you know, the details right, in what's involved. And, and there's so much insight you can get from those episodes as well. Fantastic. I really appreciate you giving this so much thought and being so transparent about your own professional learning journey and then taking the time to share it with others. This is Eduardo Garcia in the Me Suite, everybody. Thank you, Donna. It was, it was a tremendous pleasure and I hope that the listeners enjoy it. Thank you for spending time in the Me Suite. If you have ideas for topics you'd like discussed this season, contact me at themesuite.com or on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. And remember, five-star ratings and reviews keep us alive out here. They really do make a difference.